Welcome in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. No Bill today. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. Bill will be back on Monday. I will be back to my normal duties. A lot to talk about today. We've talked a lot of Packers already. They are in action tonight against the San Francisco 49ers. There are NFL headlines galore with the start of the preseason. We'll do the whole uh, overreact to last night's preseason games a little later. Just read a box score and say that someone's good kind of deal. That's one of my favorite things. But also coming up tonight, uh, arguably more importantly, definitely in, in the grand scheme of the quest to win a division and a title, the Brewers are in St. Louis. They sit as we stand today, one half of a game back of the Cardinals who lost last night. They are one back of San Diego in the wild card. The Cardinals, as of this morning, still minus 125 to win the Central. Those prices have been shifting since the Brewers won those two games against Tampa. Brewers sitting at minus 105 to win the NL Central. So uh, the second shortest odds, but uh, those odds are very close at that point. Almost a even race. The Brewers minus 250 to make the playoffs entirely. Tonight, Eric Lauer is on the mound, 3.59 ERA. He will oppose Jordan Montgomery of the Cardinals. They picked him up from the Yankees, lefty. So we'll see what Council does with the lineup. I, it's it's weird that this team just can't hit lefties, or that's what they struggle with throughout the year, given the righty prowess on this baseball team. Uh, but we'll see how Council manages the lineup. We don't have a lineup yet. Could see Mike Brasso in there in the middle. That's what he did last week. Uh, probably no Keston Hira given he has been a righty killer this season. But the Brewers are plus 145 in tonight's game against the Cardinals. The Cardinals minus 170. So big-time underdogs, even with Lauer on the bump. When I look at this matchup, first and foremost... Even with Lauer on the bump? Oh, Eric Lauer's been a good pitcher this year. I know he's not Burns or Woodruff or Peralta, but, I I mean, he's still mid-threes. He's been... I, I looked at it yesterday, actually. Eric Lauer, minus the... Like, in June... I think the month was he had a 6.8 ERA. He had like four to five blow up starts that all went as worse as, as they could possibly go. Aside from that, he's been a sub three pitcher. He has been really good this year. When I look at him in St. Louis, uh, their ballpark, what it feels middle of the road in terms of home runs, like definitely not American family field, but, uh, and not Cincinnati, not, uh, uh, what's it called? Great American, great American small park. But, it, it isn't necessarily the biggest, you know, San Francisco level of depths in the outfield. The one thing that's crushed Lauer this season is the long ball. That is his been his undoing. Uh, even in starts, he's pitched really well. It's been one or two pitches here and there, and he's, uh, he's had a tendency to let guys go deep. I like him in a matchup against the Cardinals in that ballpark, uh, but Arenado, Goldschmidt are the guys to watch in the middle of the lineup. I don't know. They seem to be big underdogs. I think they have a better chance than the odds say tonight. He's given up home runs in 13 of the 20 games he started. Yes. Not ideal, right? Then again, Montgomery, before he came to St. Louis, looked was in a bit of a rough shape. He had gotten knocked around a little bit. Really good start for him in his first start against the Yankees. It just so happened to be and, and only gave up, uh, I think, two hits uh, in in that start. Funny tweet came out of that because... He never got run support when he was in New York, apparently. And then he goes and shuts down the Yankees. And it's really honored the Yankees are committed to the bit of not scoring runs when Jordan Montgomery is on the mound. How many runs do you think St. Louis scored in that game? Two? One. Three? One. one. (laughs) So it was was a one-nothing win for them. 
Uh, and then it's Wainwright and Burns tomorrow. That is such a classic. I I know what's going to happen in that game. It's going to be a blow. It's going to be like a high scoring game, right? That's no. what you think it's going to be? No, Burns is going to be good, but he'll give up one or two pitches here and there. I think he'll give up three through seven, which is kind of surprising for him. I feel like that's more than he usually allows. And Adam Wainwright is going to do this. He's just going to spin the ball like crazy. The Brewers won't be able to get anything going. They'll hit one solo home run, give up one run through eight, and then the Brewers lose that game because it makes no sense, but it happens. Um, so, I mean, that they've gotten to him. They got to him early in the season. Milwaukee did. Yes. Uh, but for the most part in his career, he's, he's obviously been pr- pretty tough. But the last last time they faced him was in June, four runs in four and two-thirds. And he gave up three runs in five innings the first time they faced him. So they've, they've gotten to him a little bit this year. But for the most part, it, ha- it hasn't been. And then on Sunday, it's it's kind of a mismatch with uh, Aaron Ashby and, and Miles Michaelis. The mustache. Yes. Miles Michaelis. Yes. I, yeah. How do you feel about this series? Because when I look at it, uh, it feels like where we sit today, a make or break kind of series where they're a half game back. The, the tiebreaker in the NL central will not be a game one sixty three. It's the head to head. The head to head between the two teams is currently tied at six to six. They have this three game set. Then there's four games, two in each place coming up later. It feels like just, overreaction one series brain it feels like the winner of this series will win the central that is a little bit of overreaction brain yeah i mean that's what that will be the conversation coming out of it for sure whoever takes a series yep now they got a leg up even though it could be if i mean if the if the brewers take it then it's they'll be up what if they take it 2-1 they'll be up a half game yep if they lose they lose it they'll be down a game and a half 2-1 if they get swept you know then it's a little bit different but I don't think this series decides the the central. The way I look at it, if Milwaukee does lose this series, or whichever team loses it, in order to win the season series then, in order to avoid that uh, losing the tiebreaker, they'd have to go 3-1 and one against the other. And I, like these teams have been very even throughout the year. The Cardinals obviously grab Montgomery and Quintana at the deadline. Like If we see the Cardinals staff, because that's been one of their undoings this year, with Flaherty not really there, if we see the staff mow down the Brewers, especially Montgomery, and then maybe later Quintana comes and does it, I don't like. I, I I feel like more is riding on this series than just the half game or one game swing either way. Who's starting pitching? Do you like more? I like Overall. the Brewers. Oh, the Brewers more. Okay, but you just the offense of what St. Louis can put out there as, as opposed to Milwaukee. I still think like what we saw against Tampa Bay is like anybody thinking that that's all of a sudden like them turning the corner and getting back towards being uh you know playing good baseball i think it's a good first step but i don't necessarily think that's going to be somehow a carryover to what we see this weekend i agree anybody that, i mean i i feel like there's a lot of people like all right back back on track after losing five or six to cincinnati and, and pittsburgh i agree i i think the off day before the tampa series helped a lot i don't know what the off day before this series does aside from your bullpens healthier because the cardinals played yesterday Right. So they are off a three game or four, three, I believe on the road in Colorado. Yeah. Then they come home. So you're definitely better rested. You're more healthy. It's, it's just, to me, it comes down to like the bullpen, seven innings against Tampa, one run, and they got out of some jams. Like Boxberger was in there. The bases were loaded. Milner comes in two backwards K's to get out of it. One swing, either direction. And, and that, and that game goes the other way or just one. Are you talking about the first game or the second game? The second game. Okay. Well then uh, one swing 
like gets them into extras once right. you know what I mean like that it could, it could have gone either way and I feel like that has been the case a lot for Milwaukee just one one hit here one hit there could make such a difference just because they've been so and I don't want to bring this back up they, they've struggled at times with with people in scoring position I don't I know you're a big guy that does not like talking about that uh, what you, offense with runners in scoring yeah, position yeah. at times this year they they just haven't been able to get that one next hit and yes, they, and they were able to true. they were able to do it in the ninth and tenth innings uh, on on uh, what was that Wednesday? Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, when I look at the rest of the schedules, the Cardinals I believe ranks as the easiest in baseball. Though I adhering to just that is tough because if anything, Milwaukee has struggled this year. It's been long stretches against bad teams. Because we saw it, I mean, what, a couple months ago when there was that like eight game or 10 game stretch with seven against Pittsburgh and three against Chicago, and they win three or four of those games. And then we saw what happened last week. So it's hard to look at the schedule and uh, in terms of easiness and say, I, the Cardinals have the advantage if you look at the win probability remaining or the the records total of the teams they'll play. But I, I don't know. It's just it has the feel of it's a late season series. The Brewers are I, a bit of a roller coaster. If if this is going to be a peak, then you wonder if they can continue that peak. Like it could be a turning point where they win those two against Tampa. But if they go to St. Louis and lose two out of three or get swept, God forbid, and then they welcome L.A. in for four. And if they lose three of those four, then you could be looking at a two to three game deficit in the division. Meanwhile, the flip side of that is you come out of this stretch coming up somehow up a game or even tied, and that feels like a win. That's where I feel like it can go either direction. That's why I look at this series as, I mean, I, I probably put too much importance into it, but it just feel, gut feeling-wise, feels like the winner of this series is in the clear 100% driver's seat going forward. Yeah, I do think that's a little bit too much. I do. <laughs> because it's baseball. Anything can happen. You just don't know what's going to happen from night to night. To, to say that three games in August is going to make a difference and put them clearly in the driver's seat seems a bit much. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit much. That might be. Well, are you with me? 877-867-1670. My being overreactive. I was, I was looking to find this. The St. Louis Cardinals have had a bullpen a little bit better than Milwaukee uh, throughout the season. The Brewers obviously have been buoyed bullpen-wise by hater struggles and then the recent struggles after the deadline. So tonight, Lauer versus Montgomery, the battle of the lefties. The Brewers not as good against lefties as they are against righties, which uh, could not, could in theory, bode poorly for them tonight. But then they get Wainwright and Michaelis over the weekend. Do you have a, do you want to sit here and make a little prediction for the series, how it goes? Uh, do I want to? No. Will I? Yes. I'm going to say uh, St. Louis takes two or three. Okay. So what about you? I agree. I think the Cardinals win tonight. I think the Cardinals win Saturday. I think the Brewers uh, against the odds of Ashby versus Michaelis win Sunday. Yeah, I think it goes uh, win tonight, lose tomorrow, lose Sunday. So players to watch coming up tonight on the Brewers side of the field against Montgomery. Mike Brasso, I mentioned him. Council likes to move him in there against lefties. We saw him hit fourth the other day against Tampa. Ten at-bats against Jordan Montgomery in his career. He's hitting 400 with a home run. Aside from that, Hunter Renfro, 13 at-bats, hitting 385. He has meaningful experience. Telez and McCutcheon both have a couple at-bats there, and they're hitting around 333, 400. So if you're looking for damage to be done, 
It's got to be from Brasso tonight. It's got to be from Renfro and then likely McCutcheon and maybe Telez as well. On the other side, uh, the Cardinals have a lot of experience against Eric Lauer. Surprisingly, Paul Goldschmidt is uh, 11 at bats, only hitting 182. Arenado, though, 17 at bats. He's hitting 300. So up and down the lineup, Lauer's managed the Cardinals okay. It's just a question of tonight, does he keep the ball in the yard? And then does he actually give the bullpen a chance to to close it? Which, I don't know, yet to be seen. It's definitely interesting. Uh, the Brewers will be first pitches like 20 minutes before the Packers starts. So it could be a perfect storm of if things go wrong, you have something to fall back on. And then the other direction is once Jordan Loves comes out, comes out of the game, you could just be right in the seventh inning of Brewers-Cardinals, and then you could see something bad happens there. Which I mean, which one would you rather watch tonight? Brewers Cardinals. If you were going to watch either one of them, which, one, which one would you rather watch? It, it Brewers Cardinals. It just means it a lot. Just because yeah. it matters more. What's the regular season? It means a lot. This is a I, we've looked forward to the series. They haven't played in a while, so I would watch the baseball game. I think football, just because it's the first football game, and you want to see Packers on the field. I, Maybe for like one play, two ra- plays. Ratings wise, which you think gets better ratings? Ooh, Packers by far. It's not even close. Likely the Packers. Uh, not even close. It yeah. wouldn't be even close. But we have to quantify, how about Packers' first fourth quarter versus the end of the Brewers game, depending on if it's close? Yeah, I mean, it depends. Let's say the Brewers game's close and Jordan Love's out of the game. I'm going to say uh, I'm gonna say the Brewers. I would do that as... I, For like, about five minutes. I feel, like most of, <laughs> I feel like most of the people in the state are, they're in on Love. They're in on Romeo Dobbs. They're in on the new guys. And once all the backups come in, even though it's the first game... Danny Edling isn't like Kirk Benkert moved the needle a little bit because people wanted to argue he was better than love. Remember that? I do remember that. Danny Edling is not going to move the needle. So Kirk Benkert was a fan favorite because he interacted with people on Twitter. He's a good he, guy. He was a gamer, you know, like he, yeah, all those things. Like he's got like a painting of him knee, uh, taking the knee last year, which is funny. Yes. It's amazing. Like he took a picture of his knee that had some dirt on it or the mud <laughs> on it from him knee, kneeling down. Like the, he was, yeah, he was that guy. He was that guy which was awesome, but he was not a great quarterback by any stretch, and uh, thinking he was better than Jordan Love was, was kind of comical. Yeah, likely once Love is out of the game tonight, I figure many of the television sets will be turned off or, or switched. Do you think he's going to play? I mean, we'll talk about it later, but it's a big night for him. It's I'll, a huge night for him because I think he could go either way. Yeah, I got you. Let's hit that next. There's, there's a lot to get to. Uh, the Jim Leonard thing that I mentioned, we will also talk about a, a weird – Instance with Carson Wentz and the D.C. media. I'll play it for you. Mm. And the reaction has been interesting, to say the least. But when we come back, how is Jordan Love going to play tonight? We'll answer that question. Talk about it. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Zach Halperin. We're in for Bill Michaels. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show talking Packers, Jordan love and the green Bay Packers in action. Seven 30 tonight. The question at hand now, how is he, how is he going to play? What are we going to see from him tonight? Cause 
It can go a bunch of directions. We could see what we saw last season, which was a flash here, but then a bunch of struggles there. We could see what we've heard from camp, which is a lot of improvement. Maybe he just goes and lights the world on fire. Like, remember Kyle Sloter? I do remember Kyle Sloter. Like, he, he's still in the NFL. Preseason, I, I don't, is he? Oh, I, but one of those preseason stars that just goes crazy. He tore up the USFL, I believe, too. Uh, so what do I think Love is going to do? I want to uh, point to what Malik Willis did last night. The Titans rookie from Liberty. Ryan Tannehill likely has the starting job there. But Willis went 6 for 11 for 107 yards. Only 10 uh, or ten yards per attempt. Got sacked twice. Quarterback rating of 88. No touchdowns, no picks. I kind of see some incompletions early where this is his first time, you know, back on the field. And I there is a lot of pressure there. But in the end... I think we see a couple splash plays like we saw a couple with Willis last night. And we see, even if it doesn't show in the stat sheet, Willis had some completions where you're like, whoa, he could be a real quarterback. So that's what I think we see. Nothing, nothing great. Maybe a touchdown, uh, maybe a pick, but no, you know, drastic, horrible or great in the stat sheet. Just a solid performance where we see a flash or two there. We're like, okay, that's the guy. I like Kyle Slaughter cut two days ago by Jacksonville. Oh, so uh, tough scene for him. Jordan Love tonight. I think on the road, being on the road, doesn't. there's really not going to be, there probably won't be a ton of people there early, especially in San Francisco. It's going to be a 530 game out there. Um, I'm expecting him to lead a touchdown drive in that first one. I know it's not the starters. I understand that from, from Green Bay side of things. It's going to be Romeo Dobbs and... Uh, the rest of uh, in Amari Rogers and those guys, and it's going to be Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor in the backfield and all that. I'm expecting him to to play well and, and lead a lead a drive to begin uh, lead a scoring drive. I don't know if it's going to be a touchdown, but a scoring drive to start things out. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm throwing it up. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, no, I could definitely. See, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. I kind of get a sense like that that we, it could just come out firing like bang bang. But I think big difference there between having a touchdown drive where you're making a tight window throw in the end zone and getting inside the 20 and then three incompletions and kicking a field goal. You know, I agree there is in terms of my drastic overreaction to the game. Yeah. Which so, there will be. So, I mean, would you, so that would not be a positive. No, it'll be a positive, but I think there are different levels of positive there. I, I still think, and I, I know there's probably a lot of people that disagree. I still think if he got one more drive against Kansas city last year, they win that game. They, I don't know they if started, they win. They started moving the ball. They started moving the ball. If they could have gotten one more stop, the defense was fantastic. The The Packers defense was fantastic. They couldn't get that, just that one last stop. If he gives the ball back, it felt like they found something there in that last drive that they, they scored the touchdown on. <laughs> yeah, it's called throwing at Daniel Sorensen hey, all the time. Hey, that's, a Matt, Laf- that's Matt LaFleur's problem, not Jordan Love's problem. Oh, I know, but it just took until the fourth quarter. I think they would have. he would have looked better and they would have scored again had they gotten the ball back. I don't know about winning the game necessarily. That just wasn't it uh, like thirteen to ten. Wasn't it? It was. A, they were down six, I think. All right, so there were two touchdowns. The, they were not down two touchdowns. They were down a score. Okay, at most. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like love, but it could go one or two ways. It's thirteen to seven. It was thirteen to seven. Yeah. When, oh yeah, and the Chiefs got the ball back. They got a first down, and then we're able to run that the clock out. Yeah, right. but you give up thirteen points to the yeah. Chiefs. You get one more stop, give it back to Love. They moved the ball in that last drive. 
Yeah. Uh, do you think we see an emphasis on the running game or if out of the gates, they just say, you know, love, you're dropping back, you're throwing. Guarantee first play is a play action. <laughs> play action bomb. Like I don't know about bomb. Donovan McNabb uh, first play with T.O. kind of vibe. I don't know. I don't know about a bomb, but play action for sure. Okay. No way. I would like that. I mean, I, I who wants to see a hand I, again? I know you're a big Tyler Goodson guy, but I, or and Patrick Taylor is you know is up there too. I have no interest in seeing him run the ball on the first play. I want I want to see Jordan Love throw the ball around the field. I want to see Love check it down to Tyler Goodson. That works too. Hey, no, you take the you look, you play action, not there, check it down. So how about some of the other uh, position battles that'll be out there? We, we talked about the the new additions we're most excited to see. Love is uh, at the top of the list in terms of overall excitement. New additions, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Tyler Goodson we also talked about. But when it comes to the position battles, aside from quarterbacks, the obvious one, we've talked a lot about the running backs, and we've talked about the offensive line. What are you watching for uh, who comes and, and has a great showing, shows out? I think the wide receiver spot is so very interesting because the guys that aren't playing tonight you would think are guaranteed spots, right? Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, which is weird. It's a little surprising. It's very weird to me. Yes, me too. A little surprising. That he's already on the roster. That Yes, that he's a veteran that is not going to have to play in tonight's game. And maybe that has a little bit to do with him coming back from that injury. And I know he, he's practiced a bunch the last couple of weeks, but... That seems weird to me, but if he's not playing tonight, you would think he's not on the he's not on the bubble, right? I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unless he gets hurt, I think he's going to be on the team. So you have your top three wide receivers set. I think in his contract, though, they don't they're not losing much money if they cut him. Generally, no. But yeah. if he was going to be on the bubble, he would play tonight. No. Yes. No. My sense definitely is that he's made the roster All right, already. So, so that's three guys that have made the roster. Christian Watts is another is is four. I wish he was playing tonight. So do I. I wish he was ready. Romeo Dobbs is five. He's he's made the roster. I think I don't think they're going to cut Amari Rogers. That's six. How many wide receivers are you keeping? Six or seven. So Juwan Winfrey. Where's Juwan Winfrey on on this? Samari Toure, Danny Davis. Like that. I don't. I know who who cares. It's a seventh wide receiver, right? But six and seven, I think is. A, least open for questions so i think the the down the down the roster battle of who's going to be the, the one of the last wide receivers on this team is important and uh that'd be one thing i'm going to be seeing tonight because you're going to see a lot of them because the top three guys aren't playing and you have in that group kind of two different tiers that you were talking about where you have a group that's fighting for playing time and then you have another group and there may be some overlap but they're also fighting to be on the roster and I'll say this about corners. I'll say this about the safeties and the and the wide receivers down the depth chart. A lot of it is going to be, it's kind of might be psycho brain talking. I'm excited to watch the special teams yeah. at play tonight where a lot of that's going to be the guys that are going to make the roster is can you actually contribute on special teams? Because the difference there is do you keep another corner? Do you keep another safety? Or right. do you keep that extra wide receiver? Because they do it on special teams and then maybe they work their way into the rotation eventually. So you have the group that's fighting for playing time where Dobbs, Amari Rogers, you think Juwan Winfrey's a lock? I don't. So uh, he, he would be uh, in the second group, but then the second group of fighting for the rosters, Winfrey, Samori Toure, Malik Taylor, Danny Davis. Yeah. I just don't know how Malik Taylor continues to make the team. Um, We'll see. We'll see. But the other spot is the third safety spot right behind, uh, Darnell Savage and, and Adrian Amos, 
you know, I think Vernon Scott probably is at the top of that. And then it's uh, uh, a guy like a Daniel Levitt, Levitt, I should say, who played for Rich Passaccia before. That's one of the guys that they recently brought in, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and corner as well in terms of the extra guy and what they can do on special teams with KB and Ento, who that's the Giants guy that they traded for last year, right? No. No? No. Oh. That guy's gone. Oh, well. Kibito Ento had a, a really good camp last year, had a chance. Uh, it, but what about um, the other Raider that they brought in, the special teams guy with um, in Knicks? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a guy that has a chance to, because of how good he's on special teams to beat out perhaps Shimon, Shamar Jean Charles or somebody else to be that fourth corner. And it feels like Basaccia, like LaFleur looks at Basaccia as you're here to fix the unit. I'm not going to meddle there. Like, this is your job. And I feel like there could be a sense of if you want to bring in a guy or three, then that you've had before that, you know, can help fix it, do it. And Keyshawn Nixon played a lot of uh, slot for the, for the Raiders as well. So that's another thing that he could potentially bring to the, uh, to the table. If, if you need that, um, I, I feel like he, I don't want to call him a lock, but he was kind of one of the underrated signings for among their uh, uh, undrafted, not undrafted, but the uh, restricted, unrestricted free agency guys that they brought in. Keyshawn Nixon is one of those guys that I think perhaps was under the radar and, and is going to make this team because of what he can do on special teams. Yeah, there is also one position on the offense where the guys we see on Friday tonight could be the ones actually starting because of the questions with health. And that's tight end. Yeah. Because Rob Tanyan, we don't know when he's coming back. There has been a lot of hype generally around Tyler Davis about what he can do, his athleticism. He is all good and healthy uh, to my most recent understanding. And he'll play tonight. Mercedes Lewis will not, given his age. But then Josiah DeGuara, Dominique Daphne. Because week one, it could be Mercedes Lewis and someone else. I doubt Lewis gets every snap. Does Tyler Davis or Daphne or anybody bring them something in the receiving game? I all this. Do you buy the Davis hype? There's just been a lot of chatter that that he could do a lot receiving. It feels, and uh, I, I hate to do this. I, I really hate to do this. You could do it because it really makes me feel kind of disgusting to have to do this. But um, Rowdy made this point when we were on the morning show. Oh, last you week. did not have to do yeah, that. I did have to do it. The Tyler Davis, the, the buzz around Tyler Davis, very similar to Robert Tunyon uh, when he was first coming in the league, and, and there was a lot of buzz about it when he was an undrafted free agent, and now you have that, you do have some of that buzz. Robert Tunyon, it took a little bit for him to, to break out, and now Tyler Davis a little bit that same way, and we'll see what happens in the preseason. But the thing is, they kept four tight ends last year to start the year. Uh, it might have been, yeah, Lewis, DeGora, Daphne, and Tunyon. Tunyon likely going to start the year on the PUP. I think your four could be Lewis, DeGora, Davis, and Daphne, assuming that they want to keep four guys again. Because they use him in the backfield a lot, potentially, you know, that because they don't have a fullback. So they could use him in, in, in the motion, that type of uh, the move roles yep. that the tight ends have. That That is also, I mean, do how many tight ends do they keep? If they keep four, I think we know they're four. If they keep three, then this is a little bit tighter battle. And can... Josiah Agora, Tyler Davis, Dominic Daphne, which one do you keep? Which two are you keeping? Yeah, and these guys, I mean, these games will go a long way to show when Tanyan comes back who ends up being the odd man out if there are four. Yeah. But mostly for playing time. 
So if if Tyler Davis, there was the whole Jay Sternberger preseason era, was, obviously was, with the draft fantastic. pick. Yeah. Uh, and but last year he flashed a bit before being suspended for something. So uh, maybe Davis brings that kind of flash that we see some depth there at tight end. I, a, a lot more just smaller position battles out there, but the edge position I'm fascinated in is what is who steps up as the third generally, but I tend to love when rookies come in the league. So I want to see what Kingsley and Obare could bring yep. first and foremost there uh, because he was a draft pick. And I mean, they obviously needed to put some sort of premium on the position given they only really have the top two. There's been a lot of talk about Tipa Galay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, close. Uh, about being the third. Ladarius Hamilton. We've heard Jonathan Garvin, Randy Ramsey's name, but I have no clue. I've heard a lot of people say that maybe the third edge rusher outside linebacker is not on the roster mm-hmm. as of today. Maybe. Which we'll see what that would look like as time goes on. But I no Preston Smith, no Rashawn Gary tonight. So, I mean, all the guys at outside linebacker are battling for a very premium position on the depth chart. And how do they win that job? Sack the quarterback. That, but play well on special teams. That as well. Yeah. That as well. But it feels like even, I mean, definitely with up front, there is a lot of cycling in. And the Packers front is set. It is talented. It is figures to be pretty deadly. Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, Slayton, uh, even Heflin thrown in there if he makes it. But I also feel like there is some subbing in and out and rotation of the outside linebacker core. And when, like last year, you had Preston Smith and you had Rashawn Gary. Zadarius Smith was hurt. But one of the premiums you would have thought with Zadarius Smith back last year, figuring that he would come back eventually, was that then you'd have three. So then they're fresher. Yeah. So it's also guys that are going to play a lot. Right. I also think Quay Walker has a good chance of being uh, a valuable guy getting after the quarterback. I think there's going to be some blitz opportunities for him, especially because it is going to be in those sub packages. So he's he's that another athletic freak that they can throw at an offensive line to have to deal with. Uh, whereas Devondre Campbell more so probably going to be the pass coverage guy between those two guys. Yep. All right. 877-867-1670. Weigh in if you want. The Packers are in action tonight. What are you looking for? Who are you excited to watch? How do you think Jordan Love will perform? Also, Brewers Cardinals. Is it a make or break series for the Brewers season? We'll talk more about it when we come back. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. In for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Show. 877-867-1670. You want to get a hold of the program, do it. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. have a tweet here from Adam regarding the Brewers. He said, at Ben Z. Kenny, I don't think this weekend series is make or break for the Brewers, but it will define the winner of the NL Central. Can you please define that? Can you please break that down for me? So, doesn't think the weekend series will define whether the Brewers make or miss the playoffs, a.k.a. hinting at the wild card, but does think it will define the Central. From where I sit, it seems to be NL Central or bust for this team. I agree. Because... It's not like they're out of the 
wild cards. No. But they're only like a game back, right? One game yeah. behind the Padres, and I think two behind the Phillies or two and a half. Okay. So I the Padres have been scuffling since the deadline overall, but they're getting Tatis back. It feels like a team that is yet to kind of take off. They had to play the Dodgers right after the deadline, and the Dodgers are wicked, top of the line, hot, hottest team in baseball right now. So they'll probably take off. And then, I mean, the Phillies are playing great baseball. They're going to get Harper back. They play Washington a bunch of times still remaining. So I, for me, it's the Brewers' best shot at the playoffs feels like it's the NL Central. And the odds don't necessarily agree, which is weird. They're still minus 250 to make the playoffs, but they are minus 105 to win the Central, meaning uh, they have a significant chance at the wild card. So it's it's a weird situation, just feel-wise. I, I feel it's the NL Central, or it's nothing at this point. And if you believe this series against the Cardinals defines the Central, then to me that would then define their season. Yeah, that's what I guess is what I was saying by the tweet if you can break it down for me because I don't think that I'm also not of the opinion that the wild card is necessarily going to be in play next month maybe I mean right now it is obviously only being a game out but I don't know if it's going to be there next month it'll be in play I think but not as attainable as the central because also think about it the Brewers an extended period since like June 1st like their their best baseball was in the beginning of the year at at this point Win win loss wise, I mean, you know, their best baseball was after the All Star break. Well, in a small sample size, I mean larger sample size. They have been overall uh, heading into the All Star break uh, after June first, not to the caliber like yes. to where their standing is. Is what I'm trying to say. Bad month and a half. So if they continue that, like the, the Phillies since June first are the third most winning team in baseball, and the rest of the wild card situation, like the, those teams are are winning games at a high clip. So it feels like that could run away before the Cardinals would run away in the central. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, I just don't think the series is going to just, I completely disagree with the complete, with the idea that this is going to define the central. I see that you are more level headed than myself, which is a good thing. It's not saying much. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not level headed at all. It's just your, your way out there sometimes. Yeah. But when it, I, it, it's just the, the weight of this series feels rather significant. And then you factor in the fact that they get the Dodgers for four at home, then they play the Cubs, and then they go to L.A. for three, where if you're really talking about momentum, you started it against Tampa. If you lose it against St. Louis, and I know it's baseball, you play every night, but if you lose the momentum against St. Louis and the Dodgers seven games in ten games goes the wrong way, you have a 31-game and 31-day stretch coming up. And to start that with the first 10 to 13 of them against really great teams or the Dodgers and the Cardinals and the Cubs are thrown in there. If the momentum goes the other direction, then you could wake up and you're suddenly four games back. I think the only devastating part of this would be you get swept. Like if it gets swept, then okay. If it goes two one, it is what it is. Yeah. Like it's a, then it's a game and a half. All right. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. I see where you're coming from. I just, I, I'm putting more stock in this series. All right. I think than you are at this point. All right. We also have some news. Uh, if you are a fan of college football and a fan of the Big Ten, you know that the big media rights deal we talked about earlier in the week is getting ready to go in place next, not this coming year, but the next season. CBS will likely carry the Big Ten's game at 2.30 then. It was recently brought up, and, and I didn't really uh, realize this. It was brought up by Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. CBS is expected to announce an upcoming deal with the Big Ten. They are paying some ungodly amount of money per year to hold 
one game, the 230 game. They appear to be double booked for the 2023-230 Central window because the SEC deal with them does not end until after that season. I wonder. We all know what's going to happen. It's not like they're going to have... No, we all know what's going to happen. The SEC will move to ESPN a year earlier than expected. Would they play the games simultaneously somehow? No, they're going to move them. It's going to move. They're going to move the SEC games after that contract has been longstanding forever. Yes. Do you want to bet? I'll put a bet on it right now. Okay. Um, I'll bet right now that the the SEC, if the Big Ten, if that ends up happening, yeah, the Big Ten is on, and they have that window. Yes. There's yeah, no way, no way that they will be on the same. Okay, I will... Largely because I don't think ESPN would be like, we're just not going to have the Big Ten or the SEC. Well, do you think the all of the SEC would go to ESPN then? Yeah. That's what it's doing anyways. I would bet you it would depend on the weekend and depend on the inventory. Where Because this CBS game is not going to be the premier it's Big Ten the- game of the weekend. It's going to be the yeah. second. Yeah. The first one is going to be Big Noon kickoff every weekend, and then the CBS will get game number two. Right. So... When you're looking at Alabama number one against LSU number two in the future, uh, let's say it happens next year. I can't see CBS. And even though they signed the new contract, opting to go with the big tens, Wisconsin versus Purdue instead of that game. I just think, look, Texas and Oklahoma aren't supposed to be in the big, aren't supposed to be in the sec until what? 2025. They were supposed to be, I think I thought it was like a year after, UCLA I believe it's twenty four, but I'm not sure. Either it might way, be. You might be either right. Like, no, we're going to jump out of here. We're going to get out of here early. Like, they, th- things can change. Yeah, very, very quickly. It was, or maybe it was them in twenty four and trying to get in there in twenty three. Either way, they were like, there's been talk of like them trying to move earlier than they're actually slated to in the Big Twelve. Like, being no, we're not going to let you out. I think, I don't know. I feel like they're not going to have the SEC and the Big Tw- Big Ten on on CBS in the same same thing. I don't see them at the same time, but if they are double booked, I do you want to make the bet that I think they'll just choose it based on which game is better. You think it would just be the big 10 blanket wise. I don't know how that works legally. I feel, I feel pretty confident to sit here and say that uh, if the big 10 is entering into this, that they will get what they want. That's fair. CBS is the one that's clawing and trying to be relevant here. It's not the big 10 CBS needs them. They're losing the sec. Which I just... They'll do whatever they want. I don't understand that totally. Like, midday games on ESPN or the noon games on ESPN with Beth Moens, those games don't feel ever as big as the midday game on CBS. CBS feels like the more premier sporting network when it comes to this. Only in your mind. Well, and I mean, you look across their inventory during football season, they have uh, some of the best NFL games. Then they also have the best golf tournaments. They have the champion. Like, they have all of the best across. And things change. Just like CBS and NBC used to have the NFL package to themselves back in the in the nineteen early 1990s. And all of a sudden, Fox comes along, and now Fox has the, the NFC. CBS doesn't have the NFL for a few years. They steal it back from NBC. It go- It just doesn't matter. Things change, man. And I know that change is very, very difficult for you. You're a very traditional guy as a 23-year-old that thinks the Big Ten Championship game is a tradition (laughs) of some sort that I still don't get. But, like, things change. And CBS, uh, ESPN is a certainly a more widely, uh, you know, it's it's ESPN. They do sports. CBS, SEC, great marriage. It's coming to an end. 
Yeah. And one you'll be, And you'll be okay. One big difference there that we haven't talked about, and I'll hit this quick before we go to break. One advantage ESPN has in the grand scheme of things is they have the capacity, both writing-wise, audio-wise, everything, to always be pushing whatever college football content is going on. Like, they probably will lean, like Paul Feinbaum is the SEC guy, right? But I assume there will be a lot of ESPN stuff just all focused on the SEC, given that is their league. Fox, and uh, especially Fox, because they're the head of it, and CBS, it's not like the Fox Sports website has loads of articles and podcasts and everything, where ESPN has the infrastructure and the inventory to, I guess, promote what's going on more. I feel like that's a factor of this we haven't really discussed much because we talk a lot about just the TV, but when you look at the ways you could also uh, use that to make money elsewhere, ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, obviously has all of that. They have more opportunities, but it's not like Fox doesn't have FS1 and FS2 like to put stuff on. It's not like they don't have some other, like NBC has a bunch of networks and yeah. streaming services. CBS I mean, digitally has its, has its, more. CBS has, I mean, obviously they have ESPN Plus, which probably has more subscribers than almost any other uh, streaming site, but Paramount and Paramount Plus and Peacock are catching up very, very quickly. So those are all opportunities digitally if you're asking about where to put these things. And Fox obviously has their digital stuff as well. So I, I, I think the talk about that, it's been talked about. And maybe college game day doesn't show up to as many Big Ten, Big Ten games as before. So, so be it. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about the money that comes from playing those games on TVs. That's what matters. 877-867-1670. We will continue talking about this and everything that is going on. The Jim Leonard thing we will get to at the top of the hour when we come back. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Zach Howprin. We're in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, a training camp update. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers kick off the preseason tonight against the 49ers at Levi Stadium. Kickoff at 7.30. Keep an eye out for Packers rookie receiver number 87, Romeo Dobbs, who will also return some kicks. Does he feel in sync with quarterback Jordan Love? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really in sync with Jordan. Um, you know, it's the first preseason game. You know, I'm excited, as well as all the other rookie receivers. It's Samori. It'll be, an, it'll be exciting, man. Love has only touched the field six times during a game with one start against the Chiefs. Are there some things he wants to work on tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think I have things that I want to improve on, you know, um, just from a quarterback perspective, things I've talked about, you know, that base, just having that rhythm. And I think when you get into a game, you kind of just want to be able to keep that same rhythm you have. You know, it's a little bit different in practice. You know, it might be a little slower, and then it's, it picks up a little bit in the game. So, you know, just trying to take what I've been doing in practice and just take it to the the game. The Packers and the 49ers have clashed several times in recent years. Green Bay with some success in the regular season, but twice San Francisco has sent them home in the playoffs. Is this a great matchup to evaluate players? Packers GM Brian Gutekunst. Absolutely. And I think, um, and those are so important. I mean, the difference between what you do out there in that practice field when, and then when the lights come on and there's no coach right behind you telling you what's coming uh, and being able to communicate and then and then perform at the same time. I mean, that's what this game is. And then the guys that make it in this league and play a long time at a high level, 
um, they're able to handle that environment and those atmospheres. So this is this will be the first and best test for us to really see how these guys. And then, you know, whether they have good performances or bad performances, it's you know it's what they learn from that and how they carry it over to practices in the next game. That's Brian Goodekinst. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show. A couple seconds before we hit the top of the hour. A lot to come. Uh, Still, we're talking Packers preseason. I mentioned earlier the uh, Jim Leonard coaching carousel thing. We will touch on that when we come back as well. Your calls, 877-867-1670. If you want to weigh in, what does this Brewers Cardinals series this weekend mean? Will it decide the central? We'll touch on all that. A weird Carson Wentz situation with the media as well. A lot more to come. Two hours down. Two yet to go. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Zach Heilprin. We are in for Bill Michaels. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.